Let us stand in body or in spirit as we listen for the good news. Today's gospel is from Luke, chapters 24, verses 44 through 53. Then he said, Everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the Law of Moses, in the Prophets, and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the Word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, You can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and that a total life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations. Starting from here, from, Jer- from Jerusalem. You are the first to hear it, hear and see it. You are the witness. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power on the high. He led he then led them out on on the city over to Bethany. Raising his hands, he blessed them, and while blessing them, took his leave, being carried up to heaven. And they they were on their knees worshiping him. They returned to Jerusalem bursting with joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. Yes, the word of the Lord. I don't know who uh, taught you to pray when you were a child. Maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad. I remember my, both of my parents saying prayers with us before for bedtime. And I remember my, seeing my mom um, sitting every morning on the side of her bed reading the scriptures saying some prayers. I never knew what she was reading or what she was praying about, but I knew she was reading and I knew she was praying. And that was modeling for me. Um, I heard a story recently about a young mother who was praying with her kids. And one child, she, she said, what are your prayers? And the one kid who was about five or six and just becoming enthralled with Star Wars said, God, would you help Darth Vader and Yoda to get along? (laughs) A good prayer. A good prayer. So this may seem like a non sequitur, Mother's Day, those scriptures, these books. They may tie together. This sermon may not, but we'll try. These are books of discipline. From... The pastor who raised me in the faith, Reverend Dr. Robert J. Duncan. Bob Duncan was pastor at the Grace United Methodist Church for 34 years. He, um, when he retired, he gave to me all of his books of discipline. He died last year, and I think of him often, and um, I'm grateful for his mentoring at that season in my life. This book here is from 1829. It's not the first book of discipline. It's the first one in this collection. And it is just barely hanging on. I can barely open the cover without it falling apart. And it ends with, every four years, there's a new book of discipline, and it goes up to 2016. Now, these books of discipline are... are a a walk through history of when the United Methodist Church has been faithful and when it has been 
embarrassing. We have in our history as Christians what Martin Luther used to refer to as die Früchte und die Frachte, the fruits and the freight. The fruits of the Holy Spirit and the freight of baggage. When we have made mistakes, when we have been blinded by our biases and prejudices, and yet the Holy Spirit never gives up on the church for some gracious reason and keeps giving us opportunities to become more faithful. So if you trace these books, they go up until about 1842, and then there's a split when there are two books of discipline. By the way, these are formed by the General Conference of the United Methodist Church, made up of lay people and clergy that are elected from every local church, every annual conference, to represent the church and to be the decision-making body of what this denomination believes and how we're going to govern ourselves. Every four years, the General Conference makes additions and changes to the Book of Discipline so that it reflects what God is doing and calling us to do in the world in our context. Up until 1842, there was one set of Book of Disciplines, and then there was a split, because there was a split in the church over slavery. The Methodist Episcopal Church North said you cannot be a follower of Jesus and a slave owner. It's incompatible with Christian teaching. The Southern Methodist Episcopal Church said no, you can be a follower of Jesus and own slaves. We split over that issue and then we have two books of discipline from 1842. When do you think we solved this problem? That was a good few decades before the Civil War. We remained two separate split churches until 1930. And we came back together and had one set of disciplines up until 1968 when we merged with the Evangelical United Brethren and started a new tradition and a new book of discipline incorporating both of our denominations. Looking back on the 1840s and 1850s, for us, it seems incredible that Methodists could tolerate slavery. But the Holy Spirit did not give up on us and continued to breathe upon us until we realized as a whole denomination, slavery is wrong, it is incompatible with Christian teaching. And then we finally came back together in 1930, but we were a segregated church from 1930 until 1968. We had separate and unequal conferences until 1968. The racism that has run through our history is embarrassing and painful, but God did not give up on the church And we are living into a new reality that recognizes all people of all cultures and all races as beloved of God. Now, when we started out, women were not equal in the minds of the church. They were in the mind of God, but they weren't in the minds of the church. Do you know when we ordained the first woman 
It was 1956. She happened to be active at the Madison United Methodist Church. Her name was Maud Jensen. And in 1956, the General Conference put into the Book of Discipline, men and women are called by God to be pastors. Bishop Scholl wrote recently this week that 47% of pastors in this conference who are under appointment are women. 47%. And 50% of the leadership of the conference is women. I would say in the Chatham United Methodist Church, probably in the last 10 years, if you combine all the leadership positions, it has been over 50% led by women in this congregation. Praise God. The reason I'm bringing this up this week is because when the General Conference votes on something, and it happens to be a constitutional change, an amendment to our Constitution, which is also in the Book of Discipline, it has to go back to the annual conferences to vote on that. For it to pass, it has to have a two-thirds majority. Let me read to you what the General Conference voted on and passed, but what the annual conferences throughout the world, or a global church, did not ratify, which causes many of us some embarrassment. This is what was passed by General Conference and not ratified by the annual conferences throughout the world. As the Holy Scripture reveals, both men and women are made in the image of God, and therefore men and women are of equal value in the eyes of God. The United Methodist Church recognizes it is contrary to Scripture and to logic to say that God is male or female, as maleness and femaleness are characteristics of human bodies and cultures, not characteristics of the divine. The United Methodist Church acknowledges the long history of discrimination against women and girls. The United Methodist Church shall confront and seek to eliminate discrimination against women and girls, whether in organizations or in individuals, in every facet of its life and in society at large. The United Methodist Church shall work collaboratively with others to address concerns that threaten the cause of women's and girls' equality and well-being. This is a good statement. But there are cultures within our nation and our world that do not see men and women as equally created in God's image, at least not yet. And that saddens me. This past week, our church council had a meeting and we discussed this and realized that the leadership of this local church agrees with everything that is said in this proposal to amend our constitution. And we disagree with the United Methodist denomination as it has voted. And so we are going to live into this reality. 
And we are going to live into the truth that God has created men and women equally, endowed with spiritual gifts created in God's very own image. We recognize that it's a long road to justice. It takes a while for the church to get it, as is part of our history. Seeing things the way God thinks takes a while. Mature Christianity takes a while. Living into the wisdom of the Apostle Paul who said, In Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. In Christ there is no slave nor free. In Christ there is no male or female. For we are one in Christ. We want that to be a reality here. And we want to live into that wisdom. We understand that along the way, we make mistakes as individuals. We make mistakes as, a, as local churches. We make mistakes as a denomination. And our blind spots are exposed. Our prejudices, our biases are exposed. But we also realize that God gives us opportunities to turn around, to repent, to face in a new direction, and to be faithful. The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus referred to as the Spirit of Truth, has come and continues to come. This is Ascension Sunday. Next Sunday is Pentecost, when we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming into the church, giving birth to Christianity and the church, and continuing to be the one who breathes life and love into us. But if you'll notice, in the passage that Liam read today, of the Ascension, Jesus had to leave before the Holy Spirit could come. Jesus had to leave before God could do a new thing and the Holy Spirit could come. The instruction of the scriptures was wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Wait until you are clothed with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes something needs to go before something else can come. Sometimes loss in our lives is a precursor to gain in our lives. Sometimes grief in our lives is preparing us for healing in our lives. Sometimes Embarrassment God can use to cultivate in us a humility and a desire to get it right. You know, the early church had a dance. They would hold hands around the sanctuary and they would take two steps forward and one step back and two steps forward and one step back 
and two steps forward and one step back. That's the dance of the church. We get it and then we don't get it. We're faithful and then we blow it. We do what is right and what is just and then we do something that is just an embarrassment. But we're always moving ahead. Always moving ahead. Because Christ is bringing us forward. No matter what our past is. No matter what our embarrassments are. No matter what our grief is. No matter what our failures are. Christ is always saying, keep going forward. Somebody here needs to hear that. Because somebody might just feel stuck in their grief. Stuck in their failure. Stuck in their embarrassment stuck in not knowing what to do next. And maybe you came to church today to hear someone say to you, Christ says, don't look back, just move forward. One step at a time. I close with this. I want to say on behalf of our church council, to the women of the Chatham United Methodist Church and every woman who is in this sanctuary and every girl that is in this sanctuary. We honor you. We thank you. We respect you. We thank God for your faithfulness, for your courage, for your voice, for your example of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. We thank God for you. And the people of God said, Amen.